My name's Davina Moss. I'm the assistant dramaturg on The Merchant in Venice. That's immediately someone's going to say, oh, she means The Merchant of Venice, but you don't, do you? <laughs> no, no, we're doing The Merchant of Venice in the ghetto in Venice. It's very exciting. So we've, we've dubbed it The Merchant in Venice. Which I absolutely love. Now, um, first of all, we've got to know how you got involved, because this sounds like the most plum job for anyone, and you're actually still studying, I think, aren't you? I am. So I'm a... I'm a rising third-year MFA student at the Yale School of Drama, and Karen Kunrod, who's the director of the play, is a directing professor at the Yale School of Drama. And she got in touch with me quite out of the blue because last year, when they were workshopping the production, it was in tandem with a academic conference that was happening called the Shylock Project in Venice. And she needed someone who would come to rehearsal and also to the conference um, and who could kind of report back. And so she talked to her friend, who's the head of my department, saying... I need a student who's local to Venice who could come and join us. And my name came up. So what happened was I got this email out of the blue, you know, you've never met me, can we have coffee? And I sort of said, yeah. And we went and had coffee and she said, do you want to come to Venice? And I said, yes. She said, do you want to know about the project? I mean, I guess so. But of course I want to come to Venice. Um, and it sort of spiralled from there. That's pretty wonderful. So you did some prep last year, a month or so? Yeah, we did a month of workshopping and showed to a very small audience, about four or five scenes, um, with some of the actors who are going to be used this year and some actors who I think are going to be in the ensemble this year but are not in the same roles they played last year. Fantastic. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm still trying to get over the call out of the blue. You must have thought, you must have thought, hang on, it's April Fool's Day or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you don't think people are just going to offer you jobs in Venice, but mm. it's just being in the right place at the right time. Yes, no, it's absolutely wonderful. So... This I know a little bit about this take on, on The Merchant of Venice, about the five Shylocks, and, I'm, I, and it sounds, I, I wasn't sure about time, it sounded sort of timeless from what Michelle was saying. So give me your take on Karen's take, I suppose that's what I'm looking for. I think it is kind of timeless. I think that Karen's interested in the multiplicity of Jewish experience, and there's this thing about the 500 years of the ghetto, the 400 years of Shakespeare, and the very modern Venice that's this very cosmopolitan, but maybe very touristy um place in the world and I think that Karen wants to bring all of those time periods together I don't know what the costuming is going to be and I think that'll make a big difference but I think when you're surrounded by the ghetto of Venice it's always going to live in that period to a certain degree before we sort of move on to talk about Shylock because that's something obviously that's at the heart of the play I know I Jews I don't know if you know this there's a Yiddish version of it and it's actually they don't call it the Merchant of Venice they call it Shylock yeah they they know the Jews know yeah there's a couple of Yiddish versions that all call it Shylock um and I think that it's interesting James Shapiro once said um, at a, the conference I was at last year, that it started off as Antonio's play and then became Portia's play and then became Charlotte's play and now is becoming Jessica's play, which I think is interesting that as a as a viewpoint that. But I think that we are still in the period where it is really Shylock's play, and if it's becoming Jessica's play, it is only in relation to Shylock. Mm, absolutely. Well, she doesn't get a lot of stage time, although that that's you know, often used, isn't it, to bring her back at the end in a very powerful way, which I believe you're doing. Yeah, I think we. I mean, we'll see in rehearsal, but I think that we're going to end up with Jessica back on stage at the end. And I think that Jessica's story is one that's in some ways much more accessible. So your take, I mean, obviously it's hard for a take on Shylock to be anything but that he is provoked and, and life looks pretty grim because the Christians are so anti-Semitic. But have you done some research to see what it was really like living in the ghetto? Because some say that it was actually for the Jews a result. Well, it's interesting. It, 
I read um, James Shapiro's Shakespeare and the Jews, and that talks a lot about life in the ghetto. And certainly there's a level to which being in the ghetto was a relief, I think, from the persecution that Jews were experiencing before, but it's a bit of a hollow victory. And I think that's something that Sherlock is really saying, that, you know, I get to be part of my tribe, but you beat me and you spit on me. And, you know, I get to come to the Rialto, but you treat me so badly. So it's, there's always, the prize is always poisoned. I think, if you're a Jew in the ghetto at that period. Mm. And, of, of course, Shakespeare never uses the G word. So do, do you have some feeling that he didn't, knew nothing about it or he might have known about it but just didn't use the word because the feeling is there, as you say. The feeling is there that I can go to the Rialto but maybe I have to come back. It's hard to know, it's hard to know if Shakespeare really knew that he would have lived in the ghetto. But he clearly understood that he would have lived separately and I think that's part of... I think Shakespeare models Venice somewhat in London and the Jews certainly lived apart in London. So I think that he knows that the Jewish experience is of isolation. Mm. And your five Shylocks, that, I suppose, I mean, there's lots of things that are fascinating about this project. And as I say, one of them, the fact is that it's the first time it's been done in the ghetto and that Shakespeare never even mentions the word ghetto. But the fact that you've got five Shylocks is, and one of them's a woman. What's interesting about the five Shylocks is that Shylock is this very contradictory character. I think one of the reasons that it's been hard to pin down whether it's a sympathetic character, whether he's a villain, whether he's a comic character, is that he's not always 100% consistent in a very human way. And we've kind of deconstructed that inconsistency by showing him in different situations as different people. That, And again, we think it's to do with the multiplicity of Jewish experience, that you can't just create one Jew character. All of the different... The experience of persecution leads people to behave in different ways. And that Shylock is a kind of example of a variety of those ways. You know, there have been other takes on Shylock. Arnold Wesker tried to make a more um, sympathetic Shylock. And I've, I've read others. None of them seem to work. It's, it's, I can't decide whether it's Shakespeare fighting back, the ghost of Shakespeare, or the ghost of the non-existent Shylock. But it, 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 maybe your approach will work. That's what we're hoping, is that Shylock is this character who's so hard to pin down and maybe the problem is that we're trying to pin him down to one body and it's exciting because every time you see Shylock he's kind of born anew and I always think about the line when they get to trial and he says who is the merchant here and who the Jew or which is the merchant here and which the Jew and um, in so many productions it's it's comic because it's so obvious but in this production anybody could be the Jew you know a woman could be the Jew an old man a younger man all these different people could be Jewish and so it's a real question of who is being persecuted and it, it feels so arbitrary who is being persecuted. Mm. Why a woman playing Shylock? Because we know that he's a widower we, to me and to many others, including how Jacobson, that thing about giving away the ring. I had, had it a lair when I was a bachelor. Mm. I would not have given it for a wilderness of monkeys. Yes. It, was, you know, it was my turquoise, he starts, mm. doesn't he? That, that's so central. So how, how do you make... Uh, well, I presume that bit's said by a man, but I may be wrong. That bit is said by a man. Mm. That if we're doing it the way we did it last year, it's um, my daughter, my ducats, and it's uh, hath not a Jew eyes that's said by a woman. And in some ways, I think, why a woman, kind of, why not? And... When you see Jenny do have not a Jew eyes, yes, it's a female body, but she's so extraordinary. That's just not what you're thinking about. And there is something about that speech as a woman who's kind of double, double persecuted. That is very, very powerful. Right, so tell me about Jenny. What's her surname? Where's she from? Jenny Lee Jones. She's a Welsh actress who lives in Venice and 
is an absolutely extraordinary youngish actress who is saying that she often gets cast in male roles but finally got this part of Shylock and I think was really exciting for her. Mm, so that, I mean, that's like a dream thing for her and for the project. Maybe, maybe that goes to Shakespeare and Shylock but looking on um, benignly on this project because it sounds like you're finding all the right people for it. Oh yeah, Shakespeare and Shylock are definitely blessing us a little. <laughs> right, so tell me more about, right, okay, so you became involved. So what are you doing? What have you been doing and what, you're, what are you actually doing now as you in the run-up to the production? So a lot of it is is research for Karen to do with old production. She's interested in the Max Reinhardt production. She's interested in the period. She's interested in Shakespeare's period and Sherlock's period in the ghetto. She's interested in gathering as much information as possible that helps her make decisions directorially. And then some of it is to do with the script. The production is primarily in English, but there are sections of it in other languages. So for example, Morocco speaks some of his works in words in Arabic. That's fantastic. Um, some of it's in Italian, some of it's mm. in Ladino, which is a, a Judeo-Spanish, some of it's in Venetian. And Venice at the time was such a cosmopolitan city, it was this big trading hub. And I think part of that is going to be expressed in the language. So a lot of that has been worked for myself and Walter, who's the primary dramaturg, has been uh, collating those languages and creating the script. Walter Valeri, who's the primary dramaturg on the production, who's a very eminent scholar and works at MIT. He works at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Yeah, he works at the Boston Conservatory at the Massachusetts Institute mm. of Technology. He teaches uh, Italian and drama, mm. I think. All oh, right, so they have that as well. I thought it was all technology. No, he has yeah. that too. Um, mm. and, but he is Italian. So are you having to go and research these other languages and find the, the bits of them? Yeah, a lot of it is kind of detective work. So I happen to have a friend from undergrad who is a medieval Spanish a medieval hispanist mm. and i sort of emailed him and said any chance you know any ladino and he went you're lucky i'm one of the like four people in the world who know ladino so yes i can translate this stuff for you and he's really busy at the moment and i'm kind of begging him for these lines so a lot of it is kind of detective work mm. to squirrel out these old languages i suppose some of that as you say you sit there with your email and the internet but do tell me that some of it's actually physical have you had to travel or have you had to delve into physical archives well, I'm associated with Yale, so I spend a lot of time in the Yale libraries. Mm. And I haven't spent a lot of time in archives, but I spent a lot of time with books. Mm. Um, and there's a huge, there's a plethora of stuff written about the ghetto, about productions of Shylock, about Shylock as a character. And it's been huge fun to explore this. Mm. So, what actually, I was just thinking, there must be some future in all this research for you. You must be able to do something with it when it's all over. I think if I was, if I wanted to develop it, there's a book in here somewhere. Um, and I wonder if this production needs writing up one day, academically. Presumably it's always meant a lot to you. I mean, most of us are interested in theatre, love Shakespeare, and as Jews, we're always fascinated, horrified, drawn to, repulsed by the Merchant of Venice for all the sorts of reasons we've been talking about. Tell me about you, your merchant, your Shylock. It's interesting. I've seen the Merchant of Venice probably four or five times, and... It's what you're saying. There's always a frustration with the Merchant of Venice that Shylock isn't quite the way you envisage him. And in some ways, the Shylock in the Howard Jacobson book felt more real to me than lots of other Shylocks because he's so modern. But what's wonderful about working on this project is you get the opportunity to work with Shylock in all these different situations. And rather than trying to say, all right, Shylock number two, you were Shylock number one before, we go in and say, what is, this, what is the circumstance we're in here? And where is the emotional place for Shylock? And that's really exciting. 
that's almost like a bit of directing then. Are you, would you say you're learning a lot about directing doing this as well? I'm learning a lot watching Karim, but directing is not really what I'm training to do. Mm. What I'm really training to do is, is to be a dramaturg. And in rehearsal, that means helping actors answer the questions that are really bothering them. Like, why am I saying this? What's the joke? Mm. Where have I come from? Who am I? And also help, particularly with in regards to the text, you know, what's this reference? Where has this word appeared elsewhere? What's the point of me saying this? And that's really what Walter and I are in the room for. Mm. I rather like that. Mm. Actually, we could probably all do with the dramaturge as we go through life. Why am I saying this? Where am I coming from? But possibly not the text bit. So talk me through now. So this, you've talked a lot about what you've done and you, I suppose you've talked about what you'll do when you get to Venice, but can, can you give me a picture of what's going to happen? You're going out in um, ju late June and then the actors are gathering in July. Sort of give me a, a sort of, oh, a, a moving picture rather than a snapshot of the process for you and the actors fr from late June. So... When I get there in June, I think we'll be close work with the script. We'll be sitting down with the script every day and editing it and changing it and making sure that we're absolutely certain on what it's about. And we'll be prepping for rehearsal, you know, starting to storyboard, starting to think about um, how the play hangs together. And then when the actors get there, we'll... Karen is a very table work focused director. She really, you know, she starts with the read and then she delves into the text and she reads a few more times and then... She slowly gets her actors to stand up from the table, but they're still around the table and then eventually she's putting them on their feet. So it's a very gradual process, which means that the text is so central to everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. There's not a big design concept that gets dropped on top. Everything grows out of the play itself. Mm. And then, so, so when you get there, you'll be getting ready for all that. Mm -hmm. And then the actors will come and gather and you'll rehearse. But there must be something about rehearsing uh, in Venice or near Venice, in Venice? In Venice. Mm. Mm. Actually in the ghetto? I don't think we're rehearsing in the ghetto. No. I'm not 100% sure. No. Well, when, well, well, all right, well, here's a, here's a phrase. When are you going to you'll get into the ghetto? We get into the ghetto um, <laughs> a very few days before um, opening. We don't have a huge amount of time in the ghetto mm. because it's a public space. Um, but the design is all kind of set up around the ghetto and I think we will be rehearsing very much with the idea of the ghetto in mind. Mm. And so you're going to be in a square, is that right? Um, yeah. And with the audience on all around? Oh, well, the audience around you in some way. Yeah. The audience around you. And maybe even people hanging out the windows, I don't know. Because they're, they're very tall buildings, aren't they? They're very they? tall buildings. Mm. So it was some of the tallest buildings in Europe at the time because they just kept building stories and stories and mm. stories to fit more and more Jews in. Um, and we're hoping to use that verticality to our advantage. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yes, you, you, it's like an Escher picture, isn't it? You know, the it really is. With all the staircases and things. And then it also gives, I suppose it's got that flavour if you're trying to make it timeless, the tenements that Jews have lived in all over the world. Yeah, the, there is something very modern about the ghetto when you go there, that you sit there and go, I think I've seen this in New York City. And at the right at the back of the ghetto, there's a Holocaust memorial um, on the wall and... You go, I've seen this in so many cities. Yeah. You know, this story continues today. Yes, that's very important. And of course, the word ghetto has that resonance for us. We think Warsaw, don't we? we Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So there's so, there's so much. And so, so the audience themselves, um, I presumably people are coming specially from all over the world? Yeah, I've heard of lots of people coming from all kinds of places. It's had pretty good publicity. It was in the New York Times mm. and all this kind of thing. But I hope that there will be local Venetians in the audience as well. That's what I wondered. It's important, isn't it? Yeah, and this is the the history of their city. Mm. And 
there is a good theatre-going audience in Venice, so I would not be surprised if we get some Venetians along. I hope so. I mean, how do they feel about this sort of thing happening in their city? Are they proud of it, or does it just mean get more tourists? <laughs> I hope they're excited by it. There's Kafoskari University, the big university in Venice, has been spearheading this big Getty 500 kind of thing, and I think that it's got the locals interested. It's mm. got people interested in their history in a way that perhaps they haven't been for a long time. Venice is very worried about its future. So I think it's exciting to go back into its past for a bit. I'm hoping to talk to the girl playing Lancelotta, who is the servant mm. who's now become a, a woman. What's amazing about Francesca is she's this fully trained Commedia dell'arte performer and she plays Lancelotto as a real Commedia dell'arte character and it's absolutely stunning to watch. I think it's going to be a real highlight. Have you had much dealing with the Italian, the Italian Jewish community, the Venetian Jewish community? We had some when we went there uh, over the summer. We were invited to visit the synagogues, which are absolutely beautiful if you ever get a chance, and met up with some of the Italian Jewish community. And it was clear that the Venetian Jewish community is small but very mighty and are very excited to have the ghetto kind of on showcase for the first time in all, this, in all these years. So... I, I suppose you've almost answered it, haven't you, with some of, some of the things that you've said to me. But what first, I mean, could it have a future, do you think, as production? It's very site-specific, obviously. And also, is there something that you want, you know yet that you want people to take away from it or, or that you want it to achieve? I think it will have a future. I think that there's talk already of doing it in, in North America in 2017. So I think that this is not the end for the merchant in Venice, though it may no longer be in Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I want people to leave with? I want people to leave thinking, what was it like for those people then? And what is it like for those people now?